Well, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you. I'm tired, and I'm stressed out, and I really, really, really don't want to be up here today. We've been so busy lately, <clears throat> I haven't had time to study like I should. It's been all I can do to read the Scriptures every day. And to be honest, you usually get started about midnight, and I'm about one chapter in before I pass out. We have a lot of stuff on our plate. Kim and I do. We we uh, just bought a new house, and we're uh, working on it. We keep about 70 jobs running in our company all the time. We run two companies. I'm renovating about 1,800 kitchens right now. And to say the least, there's just not a lot of time for us to study or to read. We get up about 6 every morning. We go to bed about 12. And uh, I've been exhausted. So this morning, while I was laying in bed, and I still hadn't written my sermon, and I was somewhat mad about it, uh, nobody but myself, but I was mad. I kept rolling over from about 5 o'clock in the morning to about 8 o'clock this morning. I look at the clock and I kept thinking, man, what kind of excuse can I come up with to get out of this? Man, I was just, I'm tired and I needed the Sabbath day to rest, not not just not just to rest physically but also mentally. And I just need to sleep and the last thing I wanted to do was spend all day writing 20 pages of notes so I could talk to you guys tonight. And man, I had an attitude and let me tell you, I had one when I woke up, I was mad. And I'm telling you this, just to be honest. And I kept thinking there, and I lay there and I said, man, there's got to be somebody else in that church that don't have near as much stuff as I had to do that could write a sermon and teach this afternoon. And uh, that was my mindset. And I know that some of you probably think, golly, you're just a baby, shut up and teach, you know. And um, some of you might be feeling sorry for me, I don't know. But uh, what you should be thinking is, now there's a guy right there with his priorities all messed up. His his priorities are all mixed up. He says by the time he gets through working, there's just not left time left to study. Well, I should be saying, by the time I get done being Yahweh's servant, there's not enough time left to work. That should be my mindset. So while I'm laying there in the bed this morning, next to my peaceful wife who's sleeping, who seems not to be bothered at all by this dilemma that I'm in. Something comes to my mind. It was the words of Yahweh through the prophet Haggai in Haggai chapter 1 and verses 7 through 9, and it reads as follows. It says, Yahweh of hosts says this, Think carefully about your ways. Go up into the hills, bring down lumber, and build the house. He's speaking of the temple. He says, Then I will be pleased with it and be glorified, saith Yahweh. You expected much, but then it amounted to little. When you brought the harvest to your house, I ruined it. Why? This is the declaration of Yahweh of hosts. He says, because my house lies in ruins while each of you are busy building his own home. I talked through the book of Haggai once a while back. Frankie even called me Haggai for a few weeks. And I remember the story pretty well. But this verse kept kicking me in the back of the head the whole time that I'm laying there. And all I could think of was that I've been so busy trying to accomplish my, accomplish my own endeavors that I've forgotten about the one who gives me the strength to do all these things. <clears throat> See, Israel was doing the exact same thing. They'd just been delivered from the Assyrian captivity. They'd come back into Jerusalem, but were more concentrated on their own homes and their own families and their own affairs that they neglected Yahweh's temple. Yahweh was destroying their crops, their vineyards, and anything they worked for, he 
brought to know. And in verse 6, he says, Malachi, I mean in Haggai chapter 1 and verse 6, he says this, he says, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you'll never be satisfied. You drink, but you'll never have enough to get drunk. You put on clothes, but you'll never have enough to get warm. And the wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. See, if I've, I've been doing the exact same thing. I've been so concerned with me that I've been putting Yahweh on the back burner. And now I know, I know that I'm not building Yahweh's temple. But when I teach, I am building Yahweh's church. Or at least I'm helping. We teach to edify the body, to build it up, to make it stand. That's the reason that we do this. We're constructing the body of Christ, which is who is the head of. So I tell you all that to simply say that I've neglected you all and this assembly. And by doing so, I've shortchanged Yahweh and his children by concentrating on my own affairs rather than Yahweh's. And for that, I'm sorry to you all, but mostly to Yahweh. I love Yahweh, and I want to strive at least to be a child in whom he'll be well pleased. So like the prodigal son, I've come back to teach to try to pick up where I left off last time that I taught in Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, take them and uh, turn them to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 3. And I'm going to cover verses 3 and 4, and I'll probably read verses 3 through 6 just to, just to get the context here. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says this. It says, Blessed be the Mighty One and the Father of our Lord Yeshua the Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, in Christ, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted through Christ for himself, according to his favor and will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us within the beloved. If you remember the last message I taught, I taught in the book of Ephesians. You might not because it was back in February. But but if but but if not, by way of review, we went over the credentials of Paul and how he was chosen as an apostle and was chosen by Yeshua through the will of Yahweh. We talked about how great he was and how his evangelistic evangelical mission was the greatest evangelical enterprise of all times. We talked about who the letter was written to. It was written to the saints and the believers in Christ at Ephesus. I mentioned that this was a circulatory letter, that it wasn't just wrote to the church in Ephesus, but rather wrote to all the churches in Asia Minor. And that whoever received the letter would just insert their name in, the, in that slot where it says, to the saints of, or to the believers at. You would just put your name there. We could say, to, it could have said, to the believers at the church in Conyers. It would have been fine because that spot was was primarily left blank. They were just it was just wrote to believers just like you and I. And then we talked about how Paul finishes his greeting by saying, Grace and peace to you from Yahweh our Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. And we talked about that how that was a beautiful greeting and how we, we should use greetings like that today instead of the silly greetings that we use like uh, how's your mom and them. But grace and peace is much better and it definitely is the way that you should greet brothers Within, within, the, within the family, in the body of Christ. And I think one of my children told me that after the message, John Bocare had wrote, Grace and Peace in a greeting on one of his Facebook posts. And at least John was paying attention. I appreciate that, John. 
So anyway, as a recap, Paul is the writer. He's writing a letter to the saints in Christ in Asia Minor, and he greets them with grace and peace. And that leads us into verse 3. In verse 3 it says, Blessed be the Almighty and Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Christ, or the Anointed, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Stop right there for a second. Verse 3 is uh, is a benediction. It's a bestowing of blessings, and a beautiful one at that. Some scholars say that verse 3 through 14, most scholars, as a matter of fact, say that verse 3 through 14 in the Greek are all one sentence. Now, an English teacher today would fail you over that. I wouldn't suggest it, college students. But in the Greek, it didn't matter, or either Paul just didn't care. And I think I think what was happening was Paul was so bound up with his inspiration that he just couldn't stop. He couldn't stop teaching, or he couldn't stop talking. So he starts the sentence with a benediction. He gives blessings and a praise to the Almighty Father of Yeshua. The word blessed here actually comes from the Greek word eulogitos, if I'm saying that right. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but eulogitos, and it is... It's where we get our English word eulogy from. Everybody in here knows what a eulogy from. Our eulogy is when someone reads a eulogy at a funeral, they do what? They speak well of them or they sing their praises, so to speak. You know, the dead's passed on. Let's talk good about them. We wouldn't do that before they die. But once they die, we'll say all kind of good things about them, push them right on into heaven. But anyway, that's what a eulogy is. And that's what Paul's doing right here, eulogitos. He's giving a blessing or a benediction, and he's, and he's, and he's singing Yahweh's praises. And we do the same thing to Yahweh when we speak well of him or talk highly of him at his work or, you know, about his work or his creation here that we see. We're blessing him. When we sing praises, we're doing the same thing as Eulogitos. That's, that's, that's what we're doing. See, we bless Yahweh with words and deeds, and he blesses us with gifts through the means of his spirit from above, his work and power. That's how he blesses us. So Paul is giving the praise here to the Father of our Lord, Yeshua. That's now That's how he starts his huge sentence that is packed with riches that we have in Christ. By first, by first blessing the Father who gave us this richness. I don't know how many people know this, but we do this as a common, as a common way of praying. Some people do it and some people don't. I know Matthew does it because I listen to him pray up here, but a lot of people pray with the acronym ACTS. So first thing that you do when you pray, you give Yahweh all the adoration. The second thing you do, you confess your sin. The third thing you do is give thanksgiving. And the, the fourth thing you do is you give supplication. And uh, you, ask, you ask for needs and things like that. And a lot of people use that acronym to pray by. And I've noticed that Matthew usually does it, especially up here. I don't know if he knows he does it, but he does it either way. And, um, and I think in some degree, maybe Paul's doing that here. Paul's, Paul's lifting up Yahweh. This is his benediction. So he's fixing to tell you just how rich you are in Christ. As a believer... And But before he tells you how rich you are as a believer, he's just going to tell you how rich and how great the one is that makes you rich. And that's his benediction. That's how he starts. Now, I'll mention also that in this verse, in, in verse 3, Blessed be the Almighty Father of our Lord Yeshua the Christ, there it is packed absolutely full of theolo- theology. I mean, and I... And although I want to dive into this theology, and I guess I should call it Christology, it's not so much theology, but about who the person of Christ is, I'm not going to. I'm going to leave that there, and I'm not, I'm not going to mess with it. I will simply say this, that this verse alone would be one of them that I would use to prove the separation of the Father and the Son. But I'm not going to use that this sermon to teach it. I will say if you read the next 11 verses and divide the pronouns properly, it is self-explanatory and it seems more than obvious to me, but again, that's not the point of this sermon. So because I have a different idea for the richness that these verses teach, a 
about how rich and blessed we are in Christ. I'll leave the Christology part alone for now. Maybe, you know, someday in the future we'll get into it. So anyway, so after Paul gives this benediction of praise to Yahweh, he explains that Yahweh has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. When he says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, he means in the heavenly realm. That's what he's talking about. He has given us all our spiritual blessings through Christ. He has given us a citizenship in heaven through the blood of his own son and therefore applied the heavenly blessings to us in the same way that they were given to his own son. See, the unbeliever, those not in Christ, they can't receive these blessings. They don't welcome what comes from Yahweh's spirit because it's foolishness to them. They're not able to understand it since it's evaluated spiritually. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. However, the spiritual person in Christ, he can evaluate everything. You, you remember Nicodemus. I've, I've taught on, on John chapter 3 and Nicodemus before, but in Nic- when I taught on it before, Nicodemus was a teacher of Israel who came to the real teacher. He came to the real teacher of Israel. And Yeshua tells him this. He says, unless a man be born again, he cannot what? He cannot see the kingdom of Yahweh. Well, he wasn't talking about a physical birth. He was talking about a spiritual one. He wasn't talking about going to heaven either. He was talking about seeing, being able to see and understand spiritual things. That was the idea that, that Yeshua was trying to portray to Nicodemus. Yeshua goes on to tell him he, is, he was born of, a man must be born of both water and of spirit in order to discern spiritual blessings. You have to be given the birth and the gift of Yahweh. That's, this is how Yahweh has blessed us in Christ. He has redeemed our lives through His only begotten Son, Yeshua, the most spiritual blessing. Ephesians 2.6 says, We are already seated with Him in the heavens with Christ. Not physically, but in a sense, we're as good as there. He has given us everything we need. We are loaded with every spiritual blessing. We have been given everything we need to be the children of Yahweh and to be what we're supposed to be for Yahweh. Yahweh loves us, and He has blessed us with the gift of His Son's righteousness. Brothers and sisters, you have been clothed in the most spiritual righteousness that will ever be the righteousness of Yeshua the Messiah. There is no greater blessing. It doesn't get any better than that. But see us as people. We're always seeking to be blessed somehow physically, some, somehow on the outside. We want, we, want, we want to have more. We want to have something else. But Paul says that you already have every spiritual blessing. If you're in, you're in Christ today, you are the most blessed creation. Talk about self-worth. You're some, you are somebody. You are somebody. Don't let anyone tell you that you're nobody. You're one of Yahweh's children blessed with all the heavenly blessings. People today have terrible self-worth issues. They go to psychiatrists to figure out why they're depressed. They want someone to tell them that they have some value, that they matter. There are seminars that you can go to to help you gain sense help you gain a sense of achievement to be somebody. There are books that teach you how to get on, get to the top and how to become a millionaire so we can be somebody. And, of course, this is all from a worldly sense, but in the church world, we do the exact same thing. We as a body in the church, we do the same thing. Out there in the world, they say, hey, get rich, you know, buy houses, sell them, do all this kind of stuff, make yourself great and renowned. But in the church world, we do the exact same thing. You think about the evangelical preachers that are on TV today, that's all they're concerned with is their pocket and your self-worth. That's all they want to talk about. That's all they talk about. I heard Joel Osteen preach a sermon one time. It's called, This is My Decade. 
And that's what it was talking about. How can I be rich in the next 10 years? Where can I go in 10 years? How can I push myself to a certain stature that everybody will recognize me and I will be somebody? And if that's not good enough, we as people in here, we may not even go for the evangelical teachings on TV, but we and we as people in here do this. We sometimes look for our self-worth through works of righteousness. We think we think that we can make ourselves good enough by the works that we do. And what I mean for that, what I mean by that, if I give you an example right here, let's just say a man is struggling with his self-worth, and so he thinks like this. He says, I will have to show people how great of a Christian that I am. Because if people don't think that I'm a great Christian, then Yahweh surely won't think that I'm a great Christian. And so he starts the deeds process. He goes on mission trips. He visits the elderly. He goes to prison ministries. Or maybe he starts actual commandment keeping. Maybe he starts to keep the Sabbath or wearing a beard or wearing the tassels and so on and so on and the dietary laws and on and on and on and all the commandments that you and I all keep, or at least we try to. But the problem is, it's a psychological game that people play with themselves. Outward works to prove their self-worth, but the reality is it's just a game. His heart's not the reason he's keeping all the commandments. His heart's not the reason he's visiting the poor. He's only doing those things to reassure himself that he's a Christian to somehow prove himself before others and even Yahweh. He's no more than a Pharisee. He's just like the Pharisees, a whitewashed tomb, and he's full of dead man bones on the inside. Brothers and sisters, there's no need to feel depressed or have a low sense of self-worth, physical or spiritual. You don't need psychology to tell you that you're somebody, and you don't need righteous works to prove that you're somebody. All you need is the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. He says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens through Christ. That's all you need. He's our righteousness. That's it. Nothing more. You don't need anything else. I don't have to look good. I don't have to sound good. I don't need money. I don't need some genealogical record to say that I'm anybody. I don't have to be approved by anyone. I am already approved by Yahweh because of the righteous blood of Yeshua. And not only that, verse 4 says that I have been this way since the foundation of the world. Before anything else ever existed, I was already somebody. I was made somebody in Christ. Let's go on and read verse 4. It says this. It says, For He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. The He right here is Yahweh, for He followed the pronouns all the way through. For He, Yahweh, chose us in Him, Yeshua, before the foundation of the world. Before Yeshua was born, before we were born, we were chose in Christ. Before He ever existed, we were already we were already chosen Him. There's never been a saint born today, and there never will be a saint born. There's never been one that comes to a knowledge of Christ or believes in Christ that wasn't elect before the foundation of the world. Every person that ever will be a believer was already chosen by, by Yahweh before the world ever began. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. When you realize that your worth is in Christ and that you've been chosen, even before the world began, your conclusion will have to be that you are somebody. What a sense of significance. What a sense of significance. I think it's wonderful. And this is all. This all began in eternity past. We didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I was born. I was born here. And Yahweh already had chosen me. 
I didn't, I didn't have to meet Matthew out there by the fence. I didn't have to go to a certain church. I didn't step across stepping stones all the way to Christ. All I had to do was be here. He made me who I was. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do anything to deserve it. I didn't keep enough commandments. I didn't love my wife good enough. I didn't share with the poor. I didn't go to prison ministry. I didn't do any of that stuff. Yahweh says, you're mine, and that's the end of it. And I'll save you through the blood of my Christ, which I'm going to spill on that tree. It don't matter if you're here or not. It's going to happen. What a reassuring thought that I didn't have anything to do with my salvation. Not one thing. Not one thing. By the way, do you know why Paul blesses Yahweh in verse 3? Verse 3, it says, Blessed be the Almighty and the Father of our Lord Jesus the Christ, or Yeshua the Christ. The reason he does it is because he's ecstatic about the fact that his salvation is sure. Because of the election of Yahweh and his faith in Christ, it didn't matter who Paul was. It didn't matter that he had persecuted the church and murdered Christians. He was chosen by Yahweh before the world began. He had been sealed with the blood of Christ and was good as eternity bound. The day that he was born, he was going to make it to the kingdom. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what he did. Not that he should have done the things that he did, but it didn't matter. Yahweh was going to save him. He raised him up as a vessel to make, make strong in the, his, his self I guess self-worth, Yahweh's self-worth. In Paul, he showed how great he was through the, through the means of Paul. And he'd done all this before Paul was ever even thought about. We talk about Jacob and Esau. Esau never had a chance, and Jacob was saved before he was ever born. He did, I mean, it, it didn't matter who, who was who. He says, Jacob, I've loved, and Esau, I hated. It never mattered. He picked them. Paul had been sealed with the blood of Christ and was good as eternity bound. Yahweh didn't choose any of us for our sakes or because we've kept His statutes or because we've kept His commandments. I assure you of that because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, on, and the only reason that we've kept His commandments is because He's chose you. If you're a commandment keeper today, it's because He's shown you grace and mercy and allowed you to be who you are. It's not because you've stri- strived somehow and done it on your own. You didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. You are somebody because He wants you to be somebody. Yahweh chose for, uh, chose for His own glory. And it is repeated over and over in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, to the praise of His glorious grace. In verse 12 it says, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to His glory. Verse 14 says, to the praise of His glory. It doesn't have anything to do with you or I. It's all about Him. See, all this was done for him. And as a matter of fact, he says in chapter 3 and verse 10 that, that he reunites the two houses so that Yahweh's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heaven. We're the elect, guys. We're the elect, guys. If you're, if you're born in Yeshua today, you are the elect, and there's nothing that anybody can do for, about it. They can't take it from you. The one who Yahweh sets apart from the foundation of the world that's the elect. And this election is made evidence. It is made evident by works. And a lot of times, the works consist of faith, obedience, spiritual changes, etc., etc., etc. Fruit is good, is what we should produce. We are fruit trees. We should produce it. But there are many elect walking around today that have, they may not even believe yet, and they are the elect of Israel. They are the elect of Yahweh, and they may not even believe you. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, it says this, This is why he endures all things for the elect, so that, also, 
so that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ, with eternal glory. Brothers and sisters, they are the elect before they have salvation. They've not even obtained it yet. Paul says, I'm staying around for this reason. I'm glad that I can endure just so that these people who don't have salvation yet, they're the elect, they'll be saved. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, he says this, Yahweh has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time ever began. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 48, Matthew taught on, I think it was last sermon or the sermon before. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 48, right after Paul and Barnabas teach the people in Antioch the gospel, it says that the Gentiles, or the nations, heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the message of of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life then believed. They were already appointed to eternal life. They were as good as saved, and they didn't even believe yet. For crying out loud, they've never even heard the gospel. They don't even know who Christ is. They don't know that He's come, but they were already the elect of Yahweh. When Paul and Barnabas preached to them, they received the gospel, and now they're believers. Now they start to produce faith. They were already called. They were already chosen. They were the elect before Paul and Barnabas ever showed up. In the same way, brothers and sisters, that these people were appointed, so were you. I'll repeat Ephesians 1, verse 4, one last time. For he chose, for he, Yahweh, chose us in him, Yeshua, before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. That means to be perfect. That means to be perfect. When he says he chose us in him to be holy and blameless, That is something that you and I can't do. You will will never be holy and blameless without the washing and the cleansing of the blood of Christ. It will never happen. So he didn't choose you to become that on your own. You can't do that. He didn't say, he's not saying, I chose them to later on come to me, accept Christ as a Savior, and then start walking in, in, in a right way and become blameless that way. That's not what he's saying. He says, I chose them in Christ Then, before the foundation of the world, I chose them then that they would be holy and blameless when my son died. When my son died, they become holy and blameless. That's how we are purified. Something that can never be snatched away from you is that which Yahweh gives you. All the spiritual blessings in the heavens through Christ. Yahweh has eternally formed His body, and you're part of it. And in that, you should find your self-worth. That's where we find it at. We don't find it in worldly things. We don't find it in things that we try to accomplish. We find our self-worth in Christ. We find our self-worth at that torture stake. When he died, that's good enough. That was all of it. And if, if we concentrate on that, if we can hold on to that, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. It'll get you through every day if you just say, hey, I'm somebody because he named me from the foundation of the world. Before the world ever, ever began, my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm as good as His. I'm as good as His. You can't take that from me. You can't take that from me. Yahweh, like I said, has eternally formed His body, and we're part of it. This is our position in Christ. This is where we stand. Guys, don't struggle with a sense of self-worth or inadequacy. You are worthy. Not because you're worthy. You're worthy because He was worthy. You're adequate. Yahweh has bestowed upon you all the spiritual blessings in the heavens that you need to be found blameless in His sight. This morning when I woke up, I didn't even want to get out of bed. And I sure didn't want to teach tonight. Yahweh blessed me with everything I needed 
in his son to get up here to do everything he needs me to do to be blameless in his sight. And it's time for me to realize that I have a storehouse full of Yahweh's treasures, full of his blessings that all I have to do is draw out of. And I need to use those blessings that Yahweh's given me and use them to build up his house, just like he told the people in Israel in Haggai's day. And the same holds true for you. I love you guys. Let's pray. Yahweh Father, thank you so very much for the election that is so sure. Father, I thank you that I am part of something that you planned out a long time ago. Father, we're only living out the history that you've already wrote. Father, you orchestrated this great turn of events, and Father, we're just part of it. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that I can be part of that. Yahweh, I'm I'm thankful that you're a mighty one that is sure and you're perfect and you're holy. Father, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. I am a sinful man, and Father, I'm not worthy next to the without the blood of your son, I'm not worthy, Father. And this morning when I didn't didn't get up, I'm so thankful that you kept pouring in my head the, the words of Haggai, Father, and you caused me to get up out of the bed and and do what you would have me to do, Father. Father, I'm thankful for that, and I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. But Father, I give you praise for all the mercy that you've shown to me today and and uh, how you've allowed me to teach this message. And Father, I pray that I'm not taught it wrong. I pray that you, you're you honored with, with what I've said. And Father, I pray that the people here are edified. And Father, that they walk away encouraged knowing that there's somebody in you and in your son. Father, I just pray that you bring us back next week. And let's continue to be doers of your word, Father, not here only, but to uh, to be commandment keepers because because you keep your promises. And Father, you give us something to be a commandment keeper for, Father. You give us a reason to walk in a in a way that is righteous and, and holy, Father. We love you so very much and we're so thankful for the sacrifice that was made for our sins. Father, we give you praise in his holy name. Amen.